smartphone, DSTV channel 856 and on 92.7 and 106 FM. This is 702. If you have just joined us, a very good morning to you. My name is Errol Ballantyne, and it is into the final hour now of early breakfast for the Saturday, the 4th of February. If you've just woken up and joined us, a warm welcome. It's going to be, it's going to be a lekker day up here in the Highfield today. Some rain tomorrow, but I don't think there's any rain today. But right now, it is time for our health and well-being show. And this, let me tell you up front, will be podcast. You'll be able to pick up the podcast um, during the course of next week. So it's a warm welcome in the studio to a guest who was with us a year ago and she is a registered audiologist. Her name is Hendrina Peterson. Morning and welcome back. Morning, Errol. Thank Good you. to have you in the studio. Great to be back. Now, um, let me give you the name of the company that you work for right up front and I'll give it at the end as well. It's called Interacoustics. That's okay. right. Just tell us about the company. Uh, we supply equipment, audiological equipment and balance equipment. So it's anything that has to do with the assessment of hearing and balance disorders. Okay. Any questions you have for Hendrina in regard to hearing, uh, hearing loss, hearing aids, anything to do with, with hearing, give us a call. You can join the conversation at any stage, 11 or you can uh, send us an SMS on 31702. Can we start with um, with a question about how how prevalent is this problem with hearing loss? I know it's a broad question, but um, is it is it true that maybe we don't we're not aware of the of the extent because people don't want to talk about it? Absolutely, yes, it's true. Unfortunately, there tends to be um, in some cases a bit of a stigma attached to it, uh, which is um, completely unnecessary, unfortunately. But um, just as with eyes or with any other um, problem that you might be experiencing it's something that can be treated and um, people need to be open about it and talk about it so why is there a stigma to it I think it's just tradition but uh, nowadays the technology advanced to such an extent that um, the treatment and the early identification makes it possible that um, something like a hearing loss in most cases shouldn't have that much of an impact on your life. You should be able to have it treated if it's if it's um, discovered early enough. Is, uh, is, yes. is it more of a culture thing uh, when when you say this is, is uh, discriminatory? Yes, in some cases it can be cultural, um, but and then you know people joke about it and so forth. But if you think about it, if you if you can't see clearly, you go and you get spectacles, and there's no big deal about it. And uh, having a hearing loss shouldn't be any different. Yeah, I, I can see the thing though. Um, you know, you don't want to appear to be. Uh, stupid or um, inte- unintelligent because you can't hear, and and often you you probably people probably think, well, I'm okay. There's nothing wrong with me. People just aren't speaking loudly enough. Yeah, that's but we very... should go and get ears tested. We should do it what every year, every couple of years. Yeah, well, um, it's very important for children um, after they get born and before they go to school, especially if there's a family history of hearing problems to have the hearing checked. And for adults, um, whenever you suspect that there might be a problem, it's a good idea to have it checked out. Okay. I was looking at some stats and you were talking about children. I'd like to start there. Um, I don't know whether you can back out these stats, but one in a thousand children is born with profound deafness 
an additional two children in 1,000 will require will acquire deafness in early childhood, and infants who need intensive medical care during a newborn period are at special risk for hearing loss, resulting in one child in 50 from the intensive care nurseries being hearing impaired. So catching it early, as you were saying, is really important. Is it, is it familial? Um, it can be in some cases. So um, there's no way of saying yes, definitely. But um, if there is a family history, hmm. it's um, even more important to have it checked as early as possible. Now, of course, it would impact um, on their early development and, and early schooling, starting right with play school, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. But before we do that, how do you, how do you check a, a six day old or do you check younger than that yes from 24 hours after birth we can check 24 hours yes. what do you do what do you actually do so ideally um the baby should be seen in the hospital already before the mother is released mm. and um we have a special machine that's called an auto acoustic emission or oae for short that we can use for screening so it's completely automatic we don't need any um uh participation from the baby at all mm. so and if they sleep it's even better so it's a, just a small probe you put into the ear and we check the functioning of the hearing the hair cells in the ear it's not an actual hearing test at, as such but it gives us a very good idea of whether there might be a problem or not if they fail that test um, in some cases it could be because there's still a little bit of the amniotic fluid in the ear um, then we would usually recommend a retest after a certain period mm. and if they still fail that there's also so another test called an auditory brainstem test where you can actually put electrodes on the skull and you also stimulate the ears with sound and then you pick up the brain waves and that can also tell you whether um, a person, a baby or any per other person can hear or not. And that test can also pick up certain neurological disorders. So, um, and if a baby is in, in the NICU, in the, the intensive care unit, mm. um, usually as a standard, they would do both tests to begin with because there is a screening auditory brainstem response test as well. So what you do is you send a little signal down in a machine into the little couple of hour old baby and you get a reaction can you actually see the eardrum vibrating or how does it work yes uh, it's from uh, about 24 hours after birth and onwards that we would do the test um, it is actually sound signals that sent into the ear with a probe and then if that cochlea the, the inner ear is healthy it's it reacts by sending sounds out again I see. and those sounds are being picked up by the microphone of the probe that's in the ear and then we see it oh. on a little machine so it's very high-tech um, it's amazing how technology has that advanced. Must be a very expensive piece of equipment. Well, um, luckily, you know, it's one of, I would say, one of the essential pieces yeah, of equipment um, for a lot of audiologists, yeah. especially if you're into screening of babies. And it's it's the gold standard at this stage. And then there's also middle ear tests that can be done mm. to make sure if there's a, a problem with the middle ear, like a middle ear infection, which mm. is um, also done with the probe in the ear, but that uh, works on the pressure in the middle ear, um, sending sound and pressure, etc., into the ear. Okay. Now, if there is a problem, uh, what's your next step? If you discover that you're not getting the signal back properly, or what, what do you do then? Well, um, then uh, if there's a problem 
picked up during the screening, then they would be referred for a retest and after that a complete diagnostic test by an audiologist. And then if um, it is determined that there is a hearing loss, then the baby would be fitted with hearing aids as quickly as possible. Um, even if they're very small, they can already wear hearing aids. And um, if if it's a profound hearing loss, then they would be considered for a cochlear implant also um, early on. The, the point is you can do something about it and you, could, and you can do something fairly quickly. Yes, absolutely. And children learn to speak by listening. So even though they don't speak maybe um, early on, they're still hearing sounds and they're starting to make sounds and they hear their own voices and they repeat what they're hearing in the environment and they can they sense that they're getting a reaction from their sounds and um, so you know if, if they are uh, deprived of any sound input even yes. just for the first two years of their lives then they have such a, a you know, backlog almost that they have to catch up on, yeah. um, which is why it's so important. And also the, the, the development of the brain and the maturation of the brain, everything <coughs> like that is um, affected if, if they don't get that stimulation early on. Okay, so now now you've got a child who's at, who's at nursery school or play school at the age of three or whatever, um, and the parent hasn't really picked up anything or doesn't want to do anything about it. And I'm sure there are cases where the, the, the parent has said, um, no, there, there's, there's nothing wrong, um, he or she will be fine. Yeah. Uh, it could actually be too late uh, by then. Well, look, it's never too late. Um, we've seen children being um, diagnosed much later in life. It's not ideal. But I would never say it's too late, you know, rather mm. late than never. But, um, yes, they would have a substantial um, a delay in their, their, their language, speech and language development. Also, uh, often when it's not picked up, is if, if it's not a profound hearing loss, if it's mm. just a mild to moderate hearing loss, which can still have an impact on their, um, on their speech and language development and especially yeah. on the, 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 how they achieve in school later on. Well, exactly. I mean, the, the child in primary school now um, who, who has a hearing problem is a, a, appears to be not interested, not connected to the teacher, uh, doesn't do the homework properly, all those kind of things. Um, and very often, this is a question, could it be brought back to the fact simply that the child cannot hear properly? Absolutely. Um Often when a teacher is picking up something in the school, one of the standard tests that would be recommended would be a hearing test to start off with. Um, there could be other reasons, obviously, if a child is behaving that way. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a hearing loss. It could also be a temporary hearing loss in the form of a middle ear infection, which is very prevalent amongst children. Um, but that can be treated. So, um, yes, but usually in the educational system, if something is picked up, one of the first things that they will usually um, recommend is a vision test, eye test, etc., um, hearing test, yeah, etc. It wasn't always like that, though, was it? It's, is it becoming more and more prevalent that the teachers know that they have to do this? Well, you know, yes and no. I think um, it depends on the school because I know in the past um, there were certain systems in place where, you know, the nurses would go to the schools and do the screening mm. in the schools, etc. As a, as a rule, mm. nowadays it's more done privately. Mm. But yes, unfortunately, the reality of the matter is that those services aren't always available. You know, in every every single part of the country, uh, which is is an unfortunate case. But um, you know, so that is the reality that we're faced with. Yeah, I was I was just reading uh, last night as well in preparation for this that, um, that it says that imperative it is imperative for any children 
who have or had any of the following to be evaluated audiologically (laughs) complaints from the teacher regarding concentration or attention difficulties children who often ask for repetition uh, children who don't hear when called from another room, slow speech and language development, all of those would point to the fact that the child would need to have an examination. Absolutely, I agree fully. Um, because as you said before, a hearing loss is also something that can develop um, throughout a child's uh, life. So even if they were tested at a younger age and everything was fine, it, it could be something that developed later on. Through middle ear infection? Yes. Through... Injury, perhaps? Yes, injury, certain types of diseases like meningitis or even mumps can then can sometimes cause that. Or if it's a genetic, um, it wouldn't necessarily always be there um, at birth already. It might also develop after birth. Okay. I want to, to pick that up uh, just now about some of the diseases and that, that can impact on hearing. Uh, but let's just remind listeners, if you want to join the conversation, if you have any questions for our guest, Hendrina Peterson, on audiology, any hearing things, please give us a call. 011-883-0702 or you could SMS on 31702 and we'll, as we move through the discussion we'll talk about hearing aids and all those good things. SMS uh, from somebody <coughs> pardon me who says hi 702 please ask the audiologist anything new to reverse the horrible effects of tinnitus. I've had it for a couple of years now and my age is 68. Thank you. That is from Ken. Last week, I think it was, we had an ENT specialist on, Dr. Moore, and this subject came up and it's come up a number of times. It is the most uh, irritating yeah, thing. Yeah, it is it? quite a hot topic. Yeah, that's true. Okay, so what, what's the latest on tinnitus uh, and are there any new developments? Is it curable? Um, yes and no. It depends on the cause. In some cases, it's caused. It could be temporary. Could be temporary from um, noise exposure or from certain types of medications. It could be a side effect. Um, so uh, it could also be aggravated by stress. But um, in a lot of cases, unfortunately, it's irreversible. Um, so often they would start by just doing an evaluation, a hearing test, and some other tests to just. Um, make sure that there's just to rule out other diseases that yes. might be associated with it. But once they've established that, you know, they can't really um, put any cause to it, um, often one of the pieces of advice that's given to a person is that they should learn to live with it, which sounds mm. easier than, but... Um, if you've had it, you'll know that's hard. Yeah, maybe listening to some music when you go to bed, yeah. um, because it's obviously worse when you're in quiet. Yes. Um, there are also, if you have a hearing loss, um, often wearing hearing aids, you know, should also improve the situation. Maybe not take it away altogether. There's certain antioxidants on the market that you can use. So the best would be to have a proper audiological examination yes. and to visit an ENT and just, like I said, first rule out certain things that might be uh, contributing to it. What's actually happening inside the ear that makes that noise? Um once again, it depends on what's causing it. Um, in a lot of cases, if it's associated with a hearing loss, the brain is compensating for the lack of stimulation. So there's no nerve stimulation in certain areas of the ear. And then um, it it's almost creates a type of a phantom sound to compensate for that lack of neural activity. Really? 
Um, but like I said, it could also be a side effect of certain medications. It could also be um, more central, um, deeper into the brain. Mm. So um, I would say, and you, would, you should also not just look, is it is it just the tinnitus or is there any associated symptoms like dizziness, mm. um, nausea, hearing loss? Um, did it start suddenly? Is it only in one ear, is it in both ears? Mm. Because all those things can also determine the way that you would go forward in, in, in actually treating it. Okay. Uh, good luck with that, Ken. Um, yeah, well, there are some comments. That go, go and have it fully tested. Uh, there are things that you could do. Play some music to cover the, drown the sound of that, that yeah, terrible screeching. Yeah, not too screeching. loud, obviously, no. but <laughs> you wouldn't want to, you know, blast away your ears. But um, soft. There's actually certain apps even that's available that you can, that you can download um, with nature sounds and environmental sounds, just things to calm you down you and to listen. Download and, an app on your cell phone. That, yes. That's a, you can download anything. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> and do some exercise and try to reduce your stress levels, all those yes. things. Yeah. Okay. And then another SMS says, Hi, Erland Guest. Can a good secondhand hearing aid be adjusted to solve the hearing loss of a person who cannot afford a new device? From Dave. Good question. Absolutely. Um, once, uh, first of all, if a person gets a secondhand hearing aid, um, never just put it in your ear. You know, don't just wear it. Yes. Um, first, go and see an audiologist, have a hearing test, and then that audiologist must determine whether that secondhand hearing aid is correct for their hearing because you get different strengths of hearing aids. Mm. It might be a very strong hearing aid that was set for somebody else's hearing because they are individually set. So they are programmed for a specific hearing loss. Mm. So if you have a mild hearing loss and the person who it used to belong to had a profound hearing loss, you could, you know, aggravate the problem by just putting the hearing aid in your ear. Yeah. And set, secondly, a lot of hearing aids are custom made to the ear shape. So you get a mold or it's an in the ear hearing aid that's got a uh, shell. Okay. So you need to just get that shell made to your ear. Nowadays, Yes. We also have a lot of hearing aids that just has a universal fit. So um, that's not always an issue anymore. Mm. But um, most definitely, yes, that is an option of, of having as long as it's set correctly for your hearing loss mm. and it's fitting your ear properly. Okay, SMS is to 31702 and you can call us on 011-883-0702. We were talking a minute ago about some of the diseases or circumstances that can cause uh, deafness um, and, and starting off with children with chicken pox, uh, mumps is one of them mumps yeah um, we've seen often especially maybe sometimes just in one ear which is often sometimes also something that you don't pick up but it can have an equally um, big effect on their school development will, will, it, will it go away or does it, does it stay there, does it cause you permanent hearing problems if you have mumps Oh, not always. Um, but it can do. It can, yeah. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, meningitis is another one that I've seen on this list yes, here. Yes, absolutely. Um, HIV AIDS. Offspring of mothers who had AIDS during pregnancy have a much higher risk of being deaf by the age of 16. Yeah, once again, all these risk factors that you mentioned at birth or um, in the family history, those things should be monitored. Um, even in some cases, uh, another role that an audiologist can play is um, when a person has to be, uh, when they are administered certain types of medication like mm. for TB or for certain types of cancer, then uh, some of the medication can be potentially harmful for the hearing and they're used um, with caution by the medical professionals. But then they would regularly send the patient for um, monitoring of the hearing to make sure, you know, and then the dosages can be adapted if necessary if they see that it has, has an effect on 
on the hearing. Now, some of the other risk factors are diabetes and, and, and TB. So you could have perfectly good hearing, you were saying earlier, uh, as a child and no problem. When you get to be 30 or 40, you, you get, or younger, you get diabetes and suddenly your hearing goes. Yeah, look, it's it's maybe not always a case of just a profound hearing loss overnight. Um, it could be mild, it could be gradual. Um, but yes, diabetes is definitely a, a risk factor. Um, so if you are diabetic, definitely also need to monitor your, your vision and your hearing regularly. Diabetes is just such a huge disease. It's just so prevalent uh, all over the world. Now, again, it's one of those diseases where people... Probably half the people don't even know they've got it. Absolutely. And um, once again, I'm, I'm not a, an expert on diabetes um, in any way, but um, it, if it's managed properly and yes. it's um, detected early, then it, it you know shouldn't have such a big impact. Got a question from uh, Jabu in Zola. Hi, Jabu. Hi, Manny. How are you? Morning. Good and you. Go ahead with your question. Please, man. I want to ask, uh, I'm 56 years old now, and then... Uh, in, in 1982, I got lizard in my ear. And then I went. To sorry, you got. Sorry, Jabba, you got what in your ear? I was injured. Somebody. You were injured. A, yeah, somebody struck me with a with a stone. Okay. So I went to Garden City Hospital. That was in 1982. So I was operated on that year. But now after it was discovered that the doctor who said he invented the bionic ear, was not supposed to have operated me. So I've got a problem with the ear because there is that sound in, in my right hand ear, there is that sound in, uh, that is continuously that affects me because then the ear does not work anymore. Okay, so you're getting a, a permanent sound that you're hearing in your ear. Yeah, there is that sound continuously. Yeah, yeah. And have you been to see um, an ear, nose and throat specialist again lately? No, I, the last time, I don't know when, how many years ago, because now it looks like they said that, uh, I don't know, they look like they spoke about things like tennis, masks, things like that, you know? Yeah. yeah so Is it getting worse, Jabu? No, it's not getting worse. It's, it's, it's just they will affect it irritates, but it looks like now... They, they said it's a mess or something to do with the mess, something yeah. like that. So, so I was just asking if there's anything that can be yet because I can't afford the medical aid. Uh, mm. I'm unemployed, I can't afford the medical aid. Mm. Well, Jabu, um, what I would recommend is that you visit maybe then one of the government hospitals. They've got great audiology departments as well and that they can do a, a, an assessment on you again and you can possibly see an ear, nose and throat specialist again because unfortunately um, some of the damage that was done by the injury might not be reversible but yes, the technology has improved in the, in the last few years so maybe there might be a device or something that they can that they can recommend, but you would need to see somebody first to have that assessed. Thank you for the call, Jabu, and, and good luck with that. It must be very irritating for you. But yeah, I mean, there are there are possible ways of, according to Henrina, of of getting it cured. Um, let's go back to the SMSs. Um, Bill says, "I'm so pleased to have excellent hearing, as your guest sounds so good." 
<laughs> there you are. Thank you. <laughs> the check is in the post. Well, um, when the kids insist on having the tube on loud, is this harmful or is there hearing loss already? Have the TV, have the, have, when the kids insist on having the TV on loud, is this harmful or is there hearing loss already? <laughs> the kids, you just, they're, they're just like loud music. They do. Things have to be loud. Mm. Um, so I'll let you answer that question. It's a good question. I've often had parents um, bringing their children to me for hearing tests saying they put the TV up so <laughs> yes. loud. Um, yes. It's a hard one, you know. I would still, if you are concerned in any way about a child's hearing, rather have it checked. But yes, it is true also what you're saying. They like loud music. They like loud, like loud TVs. Just remember anything that's too loud can actually damage your hearing. So uh, children must really be careful not to listen, especially with earphones, um, to their iPods or to their music uh, too loud um, for hours. Even if it's for a short period of time and it's and it's at the maximum volume, it can re- already cause damage. No, you can't tell that to a youngster going off to a rock concert because it's going to blow the roof off that place. What? And on that point... What are the decibel levels? What, what, what can we tolerate and for what length of time? So let's start at the bottom. What are the decibel ranges? What's the range that we hear? Okay, so um, normal hearing, uh, you should be able to hear down to about zero decibel, but for an adult, zero to 25. And then normal conversation is usually around 50 to 60. Um, up until 85, more or less, can still be safely tolerated. Um, then there's a scale, so it increases very rapidly. At 85 decibels, um, you can tolerate about eight hours a day on that level. What What would be, for example, 85 decibels? That would be like a really busy street um, or maybe… With cars hooting. And yeah, that kind of thing, although it might even be louder than that. Yes. Um, it could be certain types of machinery, like even a vacuum cleaner, maybe not 85, but they can go fairly a, loud. A, a drill on the, in the pavement. Drills are actually loud louder than that. Drills go into the dangerous zone. So right. so any type of an equipment like drills and um, grinders, um, uh, you know, if anything that you use in a factory or an industry, loud rock music can go up to 110 own gunshots, of course. That's also yes. very important. You can go up to 110, 120 decibels. And um, like, I, like I said, after eight hours um, at 85, you will get damage. But then every three decibels it goes up, it halves the amount of time that you can be exposed. So literally by the time you get to 100 decibels, it's five minutes of exposure and then already you will start getting damage. That's quite serious. I mean, you don't think about that when you're sitting or standing in the front row of a, of a rock concert and it goes on for hours, three hours, I don't know how many yeah. hours, four hours. But, and the, what is that? Is that 100 decibels? Would that be more than 85? Much more than 85, probably even more than 100. You, and that's constant. That and is that's constant. bang, bang, bang. And if you walk out of a concert and your, and ears, your ears are, are ringing, ringing, it's a sure sign that it was too loud. So It happened to me with a, with a, a, con- a show I went to last year at the Monte Cassino and I mean, it was brilliant, but I came out of there with my ears, and I, I thought, no, something's wrong here. It didn't last very long, yeah. But that horrible yeah, sound. If you're lucky and your ears are healthy, um, sometimes you know you, you often get a temporary hearing loss, yeah. Um, or we call it a temporary threshold shift after that loud exposure, which then recovers. But if you're going to be in that situation 
over and over again, eventually it's not going to recover anymore. And certain sounds can cause an instant hearing loss, which is not recoverable, like certain explosions or gunshots would instantly cause a hearing loss. A permanent hearing loss. Permanent hearing loss, yes. So um, like an explosion can, apart from doing damage to the hair cells, it can even cause the little bones in the middle ear to break, um, the eardrum to perforate. So it could be really damaging. So if if you had a gun going off near you in a room, say, Mm. That could cause you permanent hearing loss. It could, yeah. So once again, better to have it checked out. Yes. Like I said, in some cases, if you've been exposed to loud noises and you're lucky, it can be reversed, but... Um, or it will, would naturally reverse itself. What are we talking at now? About 50, 60? Probably, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's, it's fascinating. Other SMSs, uh, let me come to these now. Uh, hi, guys. Nice topic. I treat people TB. Some lose hearing due to canastreptomycin. That's from Sia. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we spoke about TB as one of the triggers, as one of the the, the, the factors. Mm. Well, um, Sia, thank you for the question. Um, I would definitely recommend monitoring, especially with TB. What we do is high frequency monitoring. So, with a standard hearing test, when you go to an audiologist, they would most probably only test up to eight thousand hertz. But for TB um, patients. Uh, often if the equipment is available, the test could go up to 20,000 hertz um, because that could be an early identifier of hearing loss. Mm. So often audiology clinics that focus on TB patients will have that equipment to test very high frequencies. And um, yes, especially if, if you're using those um, types of uh, medication that can be harmful, then I would say regular monitoring of the hearing is, is, is recommended. I think some people would say babies cry at 120 decibels as well. Because <laughs> some Feels of them can like be <laughs> seriously noisy. Yeah. Um, then I have a, an SMS from Teresa who says, Hi, I've had about four bad ear infections over the past 15 years. Notice that my hearing is not as good as it used to be. I'm 54 years old. Well, four bad ear infections could mean permanent damage to the inner ear. Hopefully not. Um, depends on how it was treated. Mm-hmm. Um, if it was treated properly with antibiotics or with um, grommets, uh, you know, then and it was completely healed, then there shouldn't be any after effects. But sometimes, you know, you do get a bit of a thickening of the eardrum if there was a perforation. Um, if it wasn't treated properly, it could spread to the inner ear. But what I would recommend is just once again have a hearing test done or see an ENT and see if maybe the the, the, um, the infection has um, come back, has returned, or um, whether there is any permanent hearing loss that was done. Okay, let's go back to the line. Stephanie in Krugerstorp, good morning to you. Morning, Eva. Morning, Hi, Stephanie. I want to ask a very quick question. Hmm. What is the cause when somebody's born with a hole in their ear jump? Yeah, that's probably also just um, something that went wrong um, in the development of the baby or, yeah, so, but usually things like that can also be repaired surgically. Does yeah, you did it off my brother and it was repaired. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, Thanks. Is that what you wanted to know, Steve? Does that answer your question? Yes, but you. but sorry, you. just to, to answer your question, um, it's not always possible to, to determine what caused it. Um, it could be it, it could be a lot of things, but um, luckily something like that can, can usually yeah. be repaired surgically. So now it's all fine, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank so you very much. Thanks. That's Stephanie in Kruger's door. So uh, does an eardrum heal itself? Will it close again? 
Um, in most cases, yes. Yeah. Depends on the size of the perforation. Yeah. Um, but it can heal itself. So it grows back. Um, like even with grommets, if often if a child gets a grommet, then it falls out um, after a few months. And then if the infection has been cured, then usually the eardrum heals itself again. Okay. Uh, morning 702. I'm 63 years old and the audio on my left ear is very soft, but the right one is fine. Could there be a problem? Uh, would you recommend that I have it checked? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that's a simple answer is, is yes. This this is something that you see often where you get a slight hearing loss in one ear where you're talking to somebody and he or she cups his hand behind the ear to increase the sound. Yeah. Does that actually work? It does. It really? actually adds 10 decibels. To, <laughs> to That's why you have your ears designed the way that they are. Um, also for directionality, of course. Okay, so if, we, if you see me cupping my ears, you know what it's for. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but, you know, it might even be a wax plug in the ear. So just have it checked. Um, don't try and get the wax out yourself if there is wax. That's not safe. Just go to an audiologist or an ENT. We, yes, we had this question again recently, and it's a very important one because you can do serious damage. The wax is not there because it's some kind of disease. It's there as a protection. Yes, yeah. Uh, but people, uh, you, get a, you get a blockage, of course, and then people try and dig it out with they, paper clips or yeah. matches or... Not recommended. So, what is what would you say as far as uh, wax is concerned, um, especially if it's if it's impacting, if it's if it's blocking your hearing? Yeah, if it's blocking, then it has to be removed. But please go to a medical practitioner. Don't try and remove it yourself. Um, but a little bit of wax in your ear is really nothing serious. That it has to be there. It's there to protect your ear, to lubricate your ear. Mm. So, um, don't be concerned if there's a tiny little bit of wax in your ear. But it's only when it's really blocking your ear that it can mm. become problem okay then peter wants to know can nasal problems affect hearing in adults well yes um, they're connected aren't they they are yes the ear and the nose and the throat are all connected so um if there is like a sinus infection um or congestion then um sometimes that can spread you have a tube that connects your throat and your ear called the eustachian tube and if that gets blocked up you can eventually develop a middle ear infection so um that it's all connected that's why um, ear, nose, and throat specialists uh, specialize in those three areas because mm. they're all connected. So, um, yes, it can have an effect. And then Ken says, hi again, the reader tinnitus. I heard that one of the problems could be giddiness. This is the, is this the case? Uh, does that assist with the diagnosis? Lovely voice of audiologist, says Ken. Thank you, Ken. Um, well, Ken, I'm not sure if, if you mean that you are feeling giddy. Um, once again, there can be a relationship. Um, there are certain conditions, such as Meniere's disease or um, just, you know, middle infection or that can actually cause, or any infection that can cause the um, giddiness or dizziness. Mm. Um, if you experience dizziness with or without tinnitus, once again, go to your audiologist, go to your ENT. There's very... Um, nice tests or developed tests that can be done to determine the cause of the dizziness. What is it that makes you dizzy? Why is it connected with the ear? Well, um, if you look at the anatomical structure of the ear, the balance organs and the, and the inner ear, the cochlea, are right next to each other. And the nerves are also very um, um, close. So um, often if there, if, there, if there is a balance problem, it could also be ear-related. There could be other um 
causes obviously like blood pressure uh, doesn't necessarily um, originate in the ear but an ear nose and throat specialist um, will be able to tell you what the you know they will either just uh, do a case history or they will do a few bedside tests or they will refer you for a full uh, vestibular test um, mm. at an audiologist which which will be able to determine the cause of the, the dizziness Okay. If you have questions for Hendrina, please give us a call 011-883-0702 or you could SMS on 31702. Now, there are, there are different types of, of hearing loss that I was reading about. Uh, conductive hearing loss and sensorineal hearing loss. Sensorineal, yes. Yeah, yeah. sensorineal. Let, let's just talk about some of these because according to the information that I had, um, it's estimated that over half the people over 70 years of age, have hearing impairment caused by degenerated hair cells in the cochlea. That's correct. So yeah. just explain that. Okay, so um, in, your, in your ear, in your inner ear, um, in the cochlea that looks like a little uh, a snail shell almost, um, there are tiny little hair cells. And usually the, the hair cells that are um, responsible for the higher frequencies, the the treble sounds or the high pitch sounds, they're the ones that go first because they're right there at the entrance of the cochlea. And then often you do you, you battle to hear the the consonants like the S and the F sounds and the T. Mm-hmm. And you battle to distinguish between two and three, the words two and three. And um, especially names of places and that you're not familiar with um, becomes a problem. And one of the first signs of that is that when you go into a noisy place like a restaurant, um, you have difficulty hearing. Yes. And um, so people would often say, I can hear, I just can't distinguish what people are saying. It's not clear. And it sounds like everybody's mumbling. Mm. And that is, is, is a typical, typical symptom of, um, you know, age-related hearing loss. And um, it can be treated very efficiently with hearing aids. Uh, again, it's the husband and wife thing or the partner is saying, he's going deaf or she can't hear me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to, to establish the proof of that is to actually go and get yourself tested. Yeah, and there's uh, also a difference between hearing and listening. <laughs> so <laughs> Yes, there's a thing called selective Absolutely. hearing, which is a lot of people use. So, um, ear infections can leave scar tissue which damages the functioning of the eardrum back to the, the, uh, the infections. They can have serious consequences. Yeah, I wouldn't say serious consequences as such. It might have a mild consequence if there's nothing else wrong. Just the scarring on the eardrum might have a very small effect, but but not serious. Okay. Um, it's 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 normal to have scarring after um, after have a perforated eardrum or a grommet or something like that. But yes. the extent of the damage uh, depends on whether the rest of the system has been healed properly or not. Yes, tell us about. Uh, hearing aids, um, which is one of the big topics I wanted to talk about. We've touched on it, but uh, you were talking about custom-made hearing aids and somebody asked questions about having a used hearing aid belonging to somebody else. Um, when do you get to the point of having to have a hearing aid and why is it that that some young children uh, have to have hearing aids? Well, it all depends on whether or not there is a hearing loss. 
So any um, level of hearing loss can actually be treated with a hearing aid from mild to profound. Um, as I said before, if it's profound, especially with young children, they would also consider a cochlear implant um, if, if the hearing loss is at a point where a hearing aid's not going to help anymore. But um, nowadays, even a very mild hearing loss can be treated with hearing aids. So you don't have to wait until you literally can't hear a thing before you get hearing aids. And the hearing aids are getting smaller and smaller, mm. and they're looking very high-tech. Um, so it's really something I think people are getting it now at a young age already than what was the case in the past. Yeah, I mean, I guess in days gone by, if a child had a difficulty hearing, you wouldn't do much about it until the child got into the teens, maybe. Uh, but now, I mean, you see little kids with, with hearing aids, you have to look hard because they're very, very tiny, as you were saying. Yeah, yeah. It's all about early identification. It's all about yeah, yeah. picking it up soon enough and yeah. making sure that it's treated. So, and the sooner the better. And it, it is a reality that people's parents say, Nothing wrong with my kid. He's fine. She's fine. Yes. Look, um, it depends. There could be a little bit of, um, you know, uh, uh, denial involved. Fear factor. Yeah, yeah. Or being afraid of the, what's going on. Um, but, uh, you know, most parents, I would say, are really concerned. And yes. they, they would want to know what's yes. what the situation is with their child. All right. Now, the hearing aid um, it, itself is, is, is getting smaller. Um, do you have the facility to cut out those um, noises that you were talking about in restaurants uh, and focus, just filter in onto the person who's sitting opposite you or, or next to you? Can ambient sounds be completely eliminated or is that still the problem? Look, um, obviously the natural ear is still first prize. Mm. Um, hearing aids are fantastic. The technology nowadays are really, really good. But um, it's still an aid. It's still not your own ear. So you mustn't have unrealistic expectations, but this, there would definitely be an, um, a vast improvement. And yes, the technology um, is especially... The one thing that they focus on is that they're actually trying to reduce, I wouldn't say eliminate, but reduce ambient noises in order to make a person hear clearer. Mm. And um, all kinds of technology like directionality um, that's being used to focus in in a specific direction or, you know, reducing uh, noise cancellers to reduce noise in, in your environment. So you can spend an awful lot of money on a really state-of-the-art hearing aid if you really want to um, try and replace the ear hearing as it was originally. You can. I, I, I guess it's your choice how much you want to spend. It on. is, yeah. Look, um, hearing aid, whether it's a, um, a basic hearing aid or an expensive hearing aid, all of them will help you to hear better. I think it's got to do with the versatility of the hearing aid and the amount of different situations in which um, it will be uh, effective that mm. will change if, once it becomes more advanced. Situations like um, challenging situations like restaurants are obviously handled better by your more advanced hearing aids. Mm. Um, so, but one mustn't get discouraged and think, oh, I, I can't afford it. I'm now not going to get hearing aids. That's not the case. Yeah. Um, um, they, there's always help, even if if uh, you have to have a basic hearing aid. Um, if you if you have the right attitude going into it, if you wear it, 
um, as you should, then it will also be helpful to you. Can, can you get state assistance? Are there state hospitals who, who supply hearing aids? Absolutely. Um, the government hospitals have got um, audiology departments and they have a certain amount of hearing aids allocated to them per year. So, um, unfortunately... You know, there is also a limitation when it runs out, it runs out. Mm. But um, most certainly people can be helped in that way. Okay, so if somebody is listening now who has a hearing problem and, and thinking, oh, I, don't, I can't afford it, the answer is you actually can because they're available for free at uh, the state hospitals. Yes, um, I'm not sure if they're entirely free, but uh, at a very low cost or free, yes. depending on your situation. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, they can, on the other hand, get very expensive. I know somebody who's got a hearing aid that paid, I don't know, something like 80,000 rand. Is that possible? It is possible, yes. It's very high tech. It's like wearing a little computer yeah. in, in your ear. And also, it's it's years and years of research and yes. um, engineers, you know, looking at all these different challenging situations that's going into that hearing aid. And you see pictures of grandfather with the, the hearing aid and the the wire that came down to a little gadget in his yeah, pocket. Yeah, <laughs> those were those were where it all started. Well, it actually all started with the horn. With the, the, yes, yeah. with the, yes, with the, I wasn't going back as far as that, but yes. Um, let's go back to the lines. There's a question from Sandra. Morning, Sandra. Morning, morning. Hi. I want to ask you a question. Hmm. In about October, I had the sensation in my left ear of a, like a worm, and then it went away. Then it came back again. It was intermittent. And then in the beginning of December, I got shingles again. Mm-hmm. And I took the various medicines. I caught it in time. And um, it's healing now. It's very healed. And it's still there sometimes. And when I went to my audio, my ENT in November, because I have injections in my nose for rhinitis every three or four months, he said it could be a loss of hearing. I said, but I can hear very, very well. Um, have you had your hearing checked? No, I haven't. Okay. But I can hear when I close my right ear. I can hear properly through the left ear. Mm. It might not be, you know, it might be very mild. It might be something, um, you know, I think it's still good to have it checked, even if if, if you feel like you can hear, because it could be certain sounds or just um, certain frequencies. Um, it might not be related to the hearing, but or it might be related to the shingles, who knows. But I would say um, have it checked and have your ears tested and see what the audiologist says. If there's no hearing loss, then you can take it from there. Okay, thanks okay. so much. Thanks, uh, Sandra, for the call. Just talking about those tests, and I see there are some of the SMSs, we'll deal with those in a moment. Um, talking about tests, what happens when I come to you for a, a test? What do you do? Okay, so um, first of all, I would ask you some questions about your background. Um, where <laughs> Yeah, I get that one a lot. Yes. So, <laughs> so um, I would ask some questions about your health and um, whether or not you are concerned about your hearing and um, maybe your lifestyle, etc. Yes. 
I would have a look in your ears with an otoscope to see whether it's impacted with wax or whether there's any um, damage done to the eardrum or any other obstructions. And then we would carry on with the hearing test. It's usually done in a soundproof room. You put earphones on and you listen to sounds. You press a button when you hear the sound. Oh, a little ping. and Yeah, yeah beep. Okay. And, then, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and then we carry on and do speech tests where you have to repeat words because... Um, with the, the beeps, that's only to know whether you can hear the sounds or not. But with the words, we can determine whether your brain can actually process the sound. So that's a higher level test than just reacting to the beeps. Words such as? Um, they're actually scientifically chosen. Um, you know, uh, there are lists that are um, being um, put together so that all the, the sounds of the, the alphabet are represented. Okay, so they're just ordinary words like, can you hear me? Uh, no, <laughs> no, they are ordinary words, but they are specifically chosen for this so okay. that all the sounds are represented in a specific list. And you can pick up, as you were saying earlier, the difference between the S and the F. And those kind of and things. And the B and the V. And yeah. So and then, um, yeah, because even if two people have exactly the same hearing loss, they might have different abilities. Their brain might have different abilities to, to process and understand the words. Mm. So that also can... Um, indicate to you how you know what you can expect with your hearing aid fitting mm. because if if your speech um, discrimination and processing is still fairly good you should be able to um you'll have a different outcome mm. okay. than with with actual you know with poor speech uh, understanding okay all right uh let's go and have a look at some sms's here please can you tell me what is the cause of fungi in the ear um, it could be maybe that you have uh, that you have been swimming in a public pool um, where something was infected, or that you you put something in your ear. Um, so, yeah, have it treated. Um, you can just go to your doctor, have some drops or ointment. And then, uh, listener says, sometimes when travelling, my ear becomes deaf for a few minutes, and after it become became normal. Why would why would that be? By traveling, if you mean flying, I don't that know. Could it just says traveling. Traveling, yeah. Of course, flying, you've got to keep popping. Yeah, the, yeah. The the, the, the the change in air pressure mm. can most certainly make your ears block. It depends on what you you mean by you go deaf. Um, do you can you actually not hear, or do your ears just feel blocked? If it's just yeah, blocked yeah. from a change of air pressure, then that's normal. Okay. Uh, my name is Matthew in Kempton Park. I'm 37. My ears are continually itchy, so every day I have to use earbuds. Is that a real problem? Well, um, it is quite common. Um, it could be that you are aggravating the problem by using the earbuds because it could be a sign of dryness. So, And the wax is lubricating your ear, and if you're cons consistently cleaning your ear or scratching your ear with earbuds, you're m most probably making the, the problem worse. Um, but... Uh, you can maybe just chat to your doctor about some eardrops or ointment to put in. Mm. Um, but maybe also just have it checked out to see if there's not a wax block or anything else that's causing the itchiness. S something is wrong is what you're saying. And not necessarily. Some people do suffer from itchiness just because of dryness. Oh, okay. But um, it's still safer to have it checked. And, yeah. um, and, but, but try not to scratch your ears too much. And then Herbie wants to know, do you have to be referred by your medical doctor on suspicion of hearing loss? 
do you mean to go to an audiologist? No, you don't need a referral um, from a doctor for an audiologist. But it depends um, if you're referring to your medical aid paying or not. Some medical aids, if you get a hearing aid, require a, um, a letter from the doctor, but that is only very specific. So best would be to inquire with your medical aid. But just to make an, an appointment with an audiologist, you don't need a referral. Just connected with this, uh, but just by way of interest, animals have got a very different um, decibel level to ours. They, they can dogs, it's said, can hear way below our levels. Is that right? And much higher sounds. And as much well. higher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. So, in terms of decibels, like we were talking about, what would the range be? I mean, ours, you say, is not. We can hear. 20, 10 decibels. Yeah, that's decibel hearing level. Yes. We must just distinguish. Um, you get as, uh, SBL, which is just the actual sound. Yes. But the hearing level is just they've tested a lot of normal hearing people and they've established, okay, at zero decibel normal hearing level, most people can hear. So, um, but zero to 25 is still acceptable for an adult and for a child up to 15 decibels. So okay. there's stricter values for a child. And dogs could hear up to, to what? The way we are not able to hear the sound at all, they can hear. And other animals as well, presumably. Yes, yeah. What no. is the difference? Is the ear structured differently? Is it the brain, the wiring? Yes, and I think even like some animals like dolphins, they also sense. Oh, dolphin, yeah. Yeah, but Diana, I'm not an animal expert, but yes, I believe that's the case. Okay. And then uh, last one, Mr. James in Alberton says, Errol, joke for the morning. I see he said the blind man to his deaf wife. Gosh, okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, we're just about out of time. Just let me give listeners your details. The company's name is Interacoustics. That's one word. Yes. And uh, your telephone number is 011-675-6104. Is that, that right? That's correct. Okay. That's Hendriana Peterson. She's an audiologist who's been with us for the last uh, just about hour. Uh, telephone number 11 1-0-4. Fascinating discussion. Thank you so much for coming in to see us again. Thank you, Errol. Thanks for having me. And we'll get you back me. one of these days as well. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you.